Hey everyone, so I'm back and I'm touching on a very sensitive topic. Um, this episode is probably not going to be safe for little people's ears. So plug in some AirPods or whatever else you have and um, sit back and we're going to talk about some hard stuff, um, but how God works through the hard. Welcome to the Holy Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Heather, and this is the podcast where we strive for holiness even when everything in the world and our personal lives can feel like it's a massive hot mess. From deep theological chats to simple practical advice, we talk about it all here, all in hopes that we can encourage each other to keep our eyes, hearts, and minds set on heaven. Okay, so as promised, we are talking about hard stuff. Um, today is actually the 15-year anniversary since I survived an attempt to take my own life. Um, I don't ever want to downplay what happened to me. I also don't want to over-dramatize it um, either. And so I'm trying to find that middle ground. But I do know that it's part of my story. It has helped me connect with many other people who have ultimately reached out and said, I need help, or I have a family member who needs help, or whatever it is. So I do know that through your story, God can really reach other people through that, whether you're using it on Instagram or Facebook or just talking about it in casual conversation, talking about the fact that life does get hard and that there are really big hard things, but that you've been redeemed through those things is worth sharing. So that's why I share. So a little background, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I was at Virginia Tech in 2007 during the shooting, which was traumatic. I was not in any of the classrooms, but I also don't want to downplay the fact that I was at a university with the largest mass shooting um, in the history of school shootings, still holds that record today. Um, and I hope and pray that that record is honestly never beat. But yeah, so that happened in April 2007. I really started drinking. And um, throughout the summer, ended up getting mono and put on some prescription pills, which I proceeded to abuse. And then from there, I had every ailment under, under the sun. And I know now that it was in an attempt to get back to the doctor and get more medicine. Well, when you're going to doctors at school and then doctors off of the school campus and then your primary care doctor back at home, I was able to get lots of good things to self-medicate myself with. But in my mind, it wasn't a problem because they had all been legally prescribed to me. But in reality, I, I definitely had a problem. I began drinking. Uh, I was very sexually promiscuous. Um, I was seeking absolute validation in my body and how I looked uh, because I didn't feel safe. So the one thing I could control was... Um, the attention I was getting. I had a boyfriend at the time um, who ended up not being the greatest human. There was infidelity and things like that. And 
in on September 9th, 2007, I drank with my roommates and I went upstairs to go see our neighbors upstairs with my roommate and my roommate's boyfriend and his best friend. And we went upstairs and that's the last thing I remember. Uh, when I woke up, it was 5.35 in the morning and I was being raped by my roommate's boyfriend's best friend. And everything that has come from that has just been this compounding trauma. The trauma of not feeling in any sort of control, whether it be the sexual assault or the school shooting, and me just making ridiculous attempts to control. So between September, when the second event happened, and the day after Thanksgiving, which on Thanksgiving I found out my boyfriend was cheating on me, and I snapped. And I, I drove from Charlotte, North Carolina. I drove home at like four o'clock in the morning after finding out my boyfriend was cheating on me because I was at his house for Thanksgiving. And I cleaned my house relentlessly <laughs> to try to cope, to try to control things. And I, I want to say it was probably seven o'clock at night. I remember being on the phone with my mom and I said the words, I'm 90% sure I'm not going to kill myself tonight. And very shortly after, I got off the phone with her, and I downed um, almost an entire, almost a half a bottle of Prozac, because I didn't have anything else that was going to get me high. So I figured if I took as much as I possibly could, I would get me high or possibly die, and I didn't want to be alive anymore. By the grace of God, I had a my manager um, at the time had called me, and I answered the phone and. Um, slumped over in a corner in my apartment by myself, answered the phone and was incoherent. And he hung up and he called again. And I answered the phone and was incoherent. And then the third time he called and it happened again, he knew something was wrong. And he came over to my house because he happened to be right down the street to check on me. And he um, had his nurse, emergency room nurse sister with him. And she ended up inducing vomiting. Um, they got me to an emergency room. And as they say, the rest is history. Um, I had to do three days in an inpatient facility for the suicide attempt. And that was traumatizing in itself. And so ever since then, I had really been battling with substance abuse issues, um, really unhealthy coping mechanisms, and just honestly trauma responses to feeling a lack of control. And it was not until February of this year that I was in the Adoration Chapel and God said to me, you need to find a therapist. You need to find a good spiritual director and you need to find a therapist. And I thought, okay, God, that's a good idea. I feel great right now, so I should find a therapist Like when things are great. So when I need one, well, little, little did I know that this therapist was literally going to be like, these are your issues. It's all rooted in trauma. We have to burst open these wounds to heal them properly. And I have so many things I've learned since then that I always think, 
if I would have heard somebody else speaking about this beforehand, maybe I would have reached out for help or been okay with accepting help. But I also think it's important for family and friends that are around you when they see, when you see somebody you love withdrawing, um, that fear of being a burden on anybody else or being the Debbie Downer, the one who's always talking about everything so sad. There's things that family and friends can really do to help. And I think in my situation, I did my best to keep everything quiet. I was self-mutilating and I just, nobody else knew. I still have scars on my wrists from carving. I would color my arm in ink and then I would carve into it with knives to give myself basically a permanent tattoo um, because it was it felt better to feel physical pain than it did to feel mental pain and I think once you're 15 years out of that you can look back with and and when you know God like when you know Jesus you can look back and you can say man, that wasn't for nothing. Because in the moment, it was like my bank account was overdrawn. I was failing all of my classes. My boyfriend's cheating on me. I'm depressed. I'm traumatized. I'm a rape victim. And there was so much woe is me and so just absolutely no hope that I was like, how could any of this serve a purpose? But now, 15 years removed, I look at these children who are in my backyard just raking leaves and jumping in them right now, and I think if that experience hadn't happened, sorry, I was interrupted by a child busting through the door, (laughs) but I just think back and think if those experiences in my life hadn't happened and now the dog is drinking water very loudly, (laughs) if those experiences hadn't happened, even one moment of those experiences, I wouldn't be where I am right now, sharing testimony, speaking to others, you know, giving others a glimpse of hope. And God absolutely used that. Good night, this dog. So if you are in a time or a period where you feel no hope, When life feels too heavy, when you don't see the point in drudging through all of this, then I am an open book to reach out to me. My email is holyhotmessmom at gmail.com. You can DM me at holyhotmessmom on Instagram. Um, And I will be the open ear that you need to talk to. I will also help you get help because in the past 15 years, I have battled with massive bouts of depression and at least two other times getting to the point where I'm like, I don't want to live anymore. Thankfully, I never did the things that I did the first time, but to the point that I was like, I I need to go get checked into a hospital. And I, I know now after going through trauma therapy, that it was all rooted in the trauma, all of it. And all of us have experienced trauma in our life in some way, shape, or form. And the majority of us, with how dysfunctional our society is, the majority of us are not handling it well. So you need to get to the root cause 
of why you are feeling the way you're feeling and why you're reacting the way you're reacting. It is an absolute lie that pharmaceutical companies tell us that depression is just an imbalance in hormones. Absolutely, you can have imbalanced hormones, but that's not normal. People don't just wake up and have imbalanced hormones. It's lifestyle-induced, it's trauma-induced, it's diet-exercise-induced, right? Or lack thereof. So you have to, if, if if the trauma you have experienced in your life was not properly healed the first time, it's going to manifest in grasping at control, um screaming and yelling if you feel like you're not being heard like I specifically remember a few occasions where I said I'm depressed and I'm really worried I'm I'm hurting myself and I'm worried and I remember friends who were also at tech with me who were also going through the trauma of being in a community involved in a shooting who had lost friends that were they were close with I hadn't lost anybody I physically knew it was more acquaintances and I remember this person looking me in the eye and just saying, you know what? We're all sad. Get over yourself. We're all freaking sad. And a lot of people didn't know the extra things that had happened. Uh, They didn't know I was self-medicating and abusing pills. And so I know a lot of my manifestation of my trauma is control issues and then whenever I don't feel like I'm in control I lose my temper and I yell or I scream or I cry I will hit the walls or if I if there's no control or I feel like I'm not being listened to which like hello hi kids it's funny how God does that he gives me exactly the little humans I need to push my buttons in the exact places that exposed the wound that I had not properly healed. So it's crazy because we all talk, oh, kids drive us crazy or whatever people want to say. But in reality, they are my greatest blessings because they poked the beast in the most perfect ways that it absolutely exposed the wound that needed to be healed properly with God, with a therapist. It, It needs to be healed. So whether... It is abuse in your past, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, whatever it is, whether it was some sort of an abuse, traumatic car accident, um, any sort of traumatic event you've been through in your life, going to war, coming back from war, having an abusive spouse, whatever it is, there are wounds in your life that are manifesting in reactions to otherwise normal things like children are going to be loud children are going to be messy the house is going to be chaotic there's paint peeling off the walls that's life right it doesn't need to utterly break you and send you into six weeks of depression which is what it was doing to me cyclically and I thought maybe this is happening because of my period because of my hormones maybe I need to be on antidepressants well then I was put on antidepressants for another time in uh, summer of 2020. And it was funny because I know now my depressive trigger was the, the pandemic. I felt like I had no control. I didn't know what the heck was going on. The government's telling me what I can and can't do. I can't go into a grocery store, you know, like all these things. And I feel no control. So how does that manifest in me grasping for control in my home, which I don't have? I mean, I you know, you have aspects of control, but you're not gonna be able to control everything. And I just spiraled into a massive depression. 
And so I sought help and I found a great therapist, but it was really hard to get to her because she has, you know, a place in town. My husband would have to take off work, come home, be with the kids. I would have to leave, get to my appointment, have an hour long appointment, drive back, you know, all these things. He was having to take off two and a half, three hours just so I can go to a one hour appointment. It was crazy. So I was super inconsistent with that. Turns out ended up being great because she now goes to my Bible study and she's a wonderful person and I'm thankful to have her a friend and not a professional relationship. But at the same time, she was not a therapist. She's a family and marriage counselor. So she was couldn't prescribe me anything. So I went with a psychiatrist in the area. Apologies, I'm yawning. I'm not going to edit that out. So I went with a psychiatrist in the area. And the problem with psychiatry is there's not a lot of them. Because there's not a lot of them. If you can get in with one quickly, that means they're not very good. So I got in with this ancient, ancient, ancient old woman who was very pilfering ill. She laughed at my Catholicism and at my faith. She laughed when I told her I wanted to get to the root cause of things. She only saw me once every two months. And every time she saw me, she gave me a new pill. So I had libido issues because of pill number one. So she gave me pill number two. Then I got a little tired because of pill number pills number one and two. So she gave me Adderall pill number three. Everything was a symptom. Here's a pill. Symptom. Here's a pill. And I got to the point where I left an appointment in December when she had given me five new prescriptions and I took them to Walmart and I cried my face off as I handed them to the pharmacist because I thought, oh my God, this is going to be my life. Pills just for the rest of my life. I have to live like a zombie with no feelings, happy or sad for the rest of my life. And I wandered around Walmart and I went back to go pick up the prescription and the pharmacy had closed. And it was right then I said, no more. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. I am done filling myself with pharmaceuticals. And since then, I have not allowed a single prescription drug in my home. And that's not saying that prescription drugs are bad at all. Obviously there is a time and a place, but we are absolutely over-medicated in America. Okay. It is not normal to be depressed. It might be common. It is not normal. It might be common to rage or yell or be angry or have control issues, but it is not, it might be common, but it's not normal is what I'm trying to say. These things are common and because they're common, they try to push them off like it's normal. It is not normal to feel that way. Life should throw you lemons and you should be able to be like, you know what, maybe I'll make a meringue pie. Instead of life throwing you lemons and you literally dissolving into a bucket of tears because life is hard. Life's going to be hard. So I'm just rambling on my own. But if you are somebody who is struggling 1000% right now, find a therapist. I found a, an amazing therapist through the grace of God through Telemind. T-E-L-E-M-Y-N-D. That is an online teletherapy. So I am able to put my kids on their tablets or in front of a movie and go sit in my bedroom and lock the door and have therapy once a week. And it has changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. I know there's things like BetterHelp. I do know that they are very secular. Um, My therapist has done an amazing job with I don't know any of her views. There has been times where she has said, you know what? This is where your faith comes in. This is where hope comes in. And that has been very helpful because she's very respective of my views and I do not know hers. And that's how a therapist should be. But if you are a mom, if you are a busy woman, you have to make time 
to hash these things out and allow these wounds to heal properly so that your trauma does not traumatize your children. Like my therapist said that a lot of people don't remember their childhood. Like I don't remember going on this vacation or doing this or whatever. She said it's probably because you were traumatized by it. Even just little things. Maybe you had a parent that yelled a lot. Maybe you had a parent that wasn't around or whatever. But in order to protect yourself, you ha- have childhood amnesia about it. And she jokingly said, this is the only reason why adults are friends with their parents. Because <laughs> if we knew all the, you know, I mean, our parents are just growing up. Like right now, I am still growing up. I don't, I am literally learning every day how to be a parent. <laughs> and it's never going to stop. So the, thank God that God gave a grace mechanism of childhood amnesia. But because of that, I'm just saying that if there are hints in your life of anger, frustration, where you lose it and yell at your kids, where it is just absolutely triggering when people aren't listening to you or your directions aren't followed or you feel disrespected or not honored or overtouched, whatever it is, you've got to get to the root cause of that because those are common responses nowadays, but they are not normal. Okay, another thing I would highly suggest is while you are going through really trying to heal yourself, you need to be in the sacraments as much as humanly possible because, and I'm feeling this a lot lately and so I'm speaking very much from experience, but when you, my alarm is about to go off because we have to take my kid to therapy, my kids um, to occupational therapy, I mean speech therapy. Um, So pause because I'm going to make sure that alarm doesn't go off. Okay, so when I am feeling spiritually dry, when one is, when anybody is feeling spiritually dry, God never stops pouring his graces on you. He is never stopping his gently knock on the door. He is never stopping trying to pursue a loving, faithful relationship with you. The only person stopping that relationship is you, is me, is us. So if you are in a point in your life where you feel very spiritually dry, one, There's lessons learned in that, okay? Because when you keep seeking God anyways, that is a prayer in itself, okay? But also, when when you are feeling spiritually dry, there is something in your soul that you are willingly throwing up shade at God's graces, okay? I'm not even quite sure what mine is right now. Part of me, (laughs) I'm going to be totally honest, thinks it's all this Harry Potter I've been reading with my kids because I know that there can be pathways that open to that. And do I think that everybody who reads Harry Potter is sinning? No. Do I know that I have a past with, with witchcraft and the occult and sinful things I have done with that? And do you, do I think that this might be a little pathway that demons use to creep the heck on in? There's a truck going by, by my house. I apologize. I have the most professional setup in this podcast, obviously. But... I am going to confession at 5 p.m. tomorrow on my survivor anniversary on my semicolon day. Um, well, I said it was today, but it's actually tomorrow, but I'm recording this today. I'm going to post it tomorrow. Anyways, on the 23rd. And I, I'm going to clear my soul. And I, this is why I love that sacrament. People think I'm nuts for as frequent as I go. But as soon as I become spiritually dry, I know, okay, God, reveal to me what what I am doing to close the door on your radiant graces trying to shower upon me. What am I doing? 
because it, it doesn't have to be conscious. I know God wants me to do X. I don't care. Therefore, I'm going to do Y. It doesn't have to be that. It could be little things where you allow your trauma and all this stuff to manifest in these reactions that are not loving and charitable and not treating people like they are Christ and that they have Christ dwelling within them. It's little things like that. There is a, okay, you sin, mortal sin. God, I know you don't want me to steal this, but I want it and I don't care what you want. So I'm going to steal this thing anyways. Boom, mortal sin. You are throwing up a brick wall and God is trying to shower his graces upon you, but you have literally blocked all of it. That is mortal sin, right? The only thing that's going to crash through that mortal sin is a wrecking ball, and that is confession. Now, you can still build up a wall bit by bit, brick by brick, one brick at a time by little things, by small little things. I know some of my big things, I had this inkling in my soul, and this is me speaking this out loud, into the universe. But as I was planning this Harry Potter party and all this fun Harry Potter stuff, I had this inkling in my soul, like, God, maybe you don't want me doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be like exposing my kids to this. And I kind of just said, oh, well, it'll be fine. (laughs) And ever since then, that's when the spiritual dryness has really been. And, and it's been every little thing, little things like I'm supposed to be waking up at five o'clock in the morning, having my me time with God, Yawning again, getting my prayers in, having my my day, my priorities aligned properly, and I'm, I'm being real lazy, really lazy. I roll over, I shut off the alarm, I go back to bed. I have had an absolute inability to sit in silence. My mind wanders so bad, and I know that it's distraction, right? The devil, what are all the D's that the devil does to try to do distraction, distortion, um, distrust, um, there's a whole bunch of D's. Anyways, I have clearly have no notes. I never have any notes. But so all of this to say that you you need to find a good therapist and you need to frequent the sacraments. And then you also need to take really good care of yourself. And that means food and water and moving your body and sunlight <laughs> and good sleep. That's what that means. So we taking my own advice here. We need to turn the, the movies off. We need to read before bed. We need to nourish nourish our bodies spiritually and physically because it's literally a battlefield out here with all this trauma that'd be like flying around. Okay, now here's some advice for people if you feel like there's someone in your life who is struggling. One, don't stop. Whatever you do, don't give up hope on this person because... Maybe they're not responding. Maybe you you keep reaching out because those people reaching out give you hope that somebody would miss you if you were gone. And just saying that, as a mother now, the heartbreak I feel if one of my children would think I wouldn't miss them. That's my cat. (laughs) Just shatters my heart. 
So you have to be the person for other people that says, I would miss you like crazy if you were gone. This world needs you. You are valuable and you are loved. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how much money in your bank account. It doesn't even matter how other people treat you. You are loved because you exist and you would be missed if you left this earth when God did not want you to. I'm like crying in the middle of my office. My cat is over here trying to make me feel better. Okay. So you have to keep reaching out to the friend, to the family member. You need to, if you need to, you need to just go over and sit and say like, I'm really worried about you and I love you. And because I love you, I will not accept I'm fine as an answer. I need you to open up to me and I need you to know that I am a safe place for you to do that. Okay, because just the past two and a half years on this earth have been freaking traumatic. And if anybody's had any trauma in their life prior to that, they're not doing so hot. The hot, the, the holidays are overwhelming. The holidays are hard financially, emotionally, mentally. Maybe you got family problems. So be the friend who makes an effort to love people even when they're blocking your love, even when they're maybe acting unlovable. Be the friend who will not settle for I'm fine. You have to be that friend. Because if you're not that friend, they might not have somebody else be that friend. And life is just too valuable. There is too much growth God wants us to have in ourselves and with him for us to allow other people on this earth to take their lives. There's warning signs everywhere that you can look up. Additionally, if that person is a mom, specifically because I'm speaking from that, do what you can to love them the way you love people best. I love people best by words words of affirmation, uh, telling them I love them, and serving them. So for me, I would say, you know what? Let me take your kids so you can go to therapy every single week. And you know what? The days that you have therapy, because I know therapy can be hard, I'll make you dinner that night too. Right? Write them a handwritten letter and tell them how that how much how much they are loved and appreciated. Because that is how I also receive love and the the amount of just healing that has come from people loving me and me sitting down and accepting the love. You know, you got to be relentless like Jesus. You got to keep throwing your love at people, even if they keep throwing shade up at it because they're dealing with their own stuff. But those people will eventually come back and just thank you up and down. There's suicide hotlines that people can call. But I'm going to be totally honest. You, We have to be more attentive friends to recognize those things before they get bad. And I think this is where I, you know, I throw shade at social media all the time, but this is where social media has gone so wrong. We are living in a world where we have this false belief that we are keeping up, keeping in touch with people because we are watching their highlight reels on Instagram or Facebook. If you are an actual friend with a human, 
it is not enough to just watch their life on Instagram because that is a curated view of what their life is. Okay, so if you care about your friends, you need to text them personally. Have personal conversations. You have to make efforts to call them or Marco Polo or whatever it is. You cannot have Facebook or Instagram be an indicator of how somebody else is doing. Because I guarantee you in 2016, when I was at my freaking wits end with these kids and there was an Afghanistan deployment, I was terrified for my husband's safety. I, you know, had a nine month old who never slept, all these things. (laughs) My life looked real cute on social media. And it was in no way, shape, or form showing what was at, what was actually the absolute crap storm that was my life at that moment. So take the time and text the people. Call the people. Okay, so I was just interrupted by a child who found wild mint outside and wanted me to chew on some of it. <laughs> kids are fun. Little funny story. I ran a bunch of errands with my kids today, um, just like getting gas and some stuff for Thanksgiving. And um, I got in the car and I've been meaning to get my wedding band and engagement band, engagement ring resized forever, ever since I had the twins almost five years ago because they don't fit. So I never wear them. So I just wanted to get them resized. And um, I got in the car as we were leaving Sam's Club and I said, okay, guys, I need, you know, we have to go to this fancy jewelry store. Like, I, can I get promises that we like that we're going to be able to behave and that we're going to have great behavior or is this going to be a problem? And one of my twins said, yeah, uh, to be honest, it's probably going to be a problem. <laughs> I was like, at least she's honest, whatever. Okay. Um, so with that, this was a super impromptu episode because I wanted to share and, um, I'm excited. I got balloons like 15 year balloons and some confetti and I've got a friend who is going to take some pictures of me tomorrow morning so I can post them online because God is really good and the healing is so hard Um, but I feel like I'm on the other side and it just feels really good. So um, if you or a loved one, somebody you care about is struggling and you need help or an ear to listen to or anything, please, please email me holyhotmessmom at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at holyhotmessmom because there are millions of us who have gone through this either as a family member or as the person struggling and like let us pray for you and, and let us help. Because this is not how life was intended to be lived. Life is hard, but it's intended to be lived joyfully. And that joy only comes from hope in Christ, period. That's the only place it comes from. So I'm super glad you stuck around. Um, I'm hopefully going to post my pictures. I freaking hate being in front of the camera. I love taking pictures. I don't like being in the pictures. But So I'm excited. I'm going to... um, post those tomorrow when I post this podcast episode and I'm thankful that you're here and I'm thankful for this for you being a part of this story and my story and I will talk to you next time <laughs>